Hi, I'm Dr. Pam Peek, and welcome to episode 338 of Her, the podcast where you're going to hear the naked truth about her mind, her body, her life, and today, what are you eating and exercising? Come on now, what's it all about? Well, I can't even wait to get into this one because it's with a dear, dear friend and a nationally renowned physician that you need to know about. So let's rock and roll here. Before we begin, I want you to know that this is made possible by our wonderful friends at Smarty Pants Women's Vitamins, the delicious once-a-day gummies that contain all of the essential vitamins, minerals, and omega oils customized just for women. To learn more, Hop on over to smartypantsvitamins.com. Here's your first reminder to click on iTunes after this episode to rate and review the show because, honey, listen, I love your feedback. That's correct, Amundo. I'll remind you again later on. All right, it's time for her. Her, the podcast, the naked truth about women, her mind, her body, her life. It's all about her. So I'm like beyond excited to introduce everyone out there to Dr. Tim Church. Tim's been a friend for a million and a half years, or does it just feel that way? I don't know. Anyway, Tim is a phenomenal professional. He is an MD, MPH, PhD, he's a double doc is one of the country's leading physicians in exercise and obesity research. He seeks to reduce the production of and destruction from disease by guiding the companies that he works with in the creation of clinical strategies and disease-specific battle plans. Whoa, spoken like a guy. He's also a professor of preventive medicine at Pennington Biomedical Research Center at Louisiana State University, where he promotes healthy living through research and education in nutrition and exercise biology. He's also the chief medical officer for Wonder Health Weight Loss Program. Tim, welcome to the Herb Podcast. Man, I am so happy to be here, and I want to focus on that number, 338. 338. Three, I've been talking for a long time. 338 shows, well, folks out there. You know, about every 50, I do a little show by myself and kind of do a little kind of retrospective, like, did I just do 300 shows? You know, that kind of a thing. But isn't that cool? That's pretty cool. You know, needless to say... Congratulations. That's, that's, that's beyond yeah. cool. Well, but you got, you got a lot of good things to say. So no, my guests have a lot of good things to say, you know, come on now, like <laughs> you. Enough. Now, Tim, when I knew you, you were with, um, you were actually, wasn't it Cooper? Cooper. Um, yeah. No, yeah. No, no. So tell, tell us about your background with Cooper and, and the very famous Cooper Clinic. Well, you know, I was at the Institute, the nonprofit Institute, and the, the main reason I worked there was because, of course, because of Steve Blair, you know, the uh, the giant of exercise science, of fitness. And, and you know, not ironically, but interesting for this show, the first big study I ran there was called Drew. Why does that matter? It's the largest exercise trial ever conducted in postmenopausal women. Um, 
I've jokingly said, I'm pretty sure there's no researcher in the world who has put more women on the treadmill than I have. Oh um, no. And, Is that a threat yeah. or a promise? <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's true. I mean, Drew was 464 women and Woo! that was just the beginning of, of the research and, and, um, and it's something I'm kind of passionate about, you know, particularly when it comes to women is, 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 and I know you get this, I know this is where you're already at, but I just think it can be overstated. There, there's nothing more important for maintaining and living the life you want to live than physical activity. There just isn't, there, there's no pill for it. There's no, there, there's no food for it. There, there's, when you talk about exercise, and I'm talking about resistance training and aerobic training, and again, particularly for women, um, it, it, it makes life worth living. Uh, there's no question about it. And, you know, here's the pushback and here's the, the challenge, right? So uh, our entire way of living uh, in, in the USA is one in which um, everything's made easy. Everything's just made easy. You know, you hop in a car, you go up an escalator, you do all these things. Um, but the grand majority of people are trying to understand, like, why should I, do, you know, go out of my way to do these other things, no matter what they are, um, that involve moving my body in a more deliberate way? What, what do you say to people like that? You know, that's such a great question. And I used to say, suck it up and go do it. And that, that was that <laughs> what was, you always that told was, me. Um. That was my answer. And, and you know, hey, you, you do this because it's good for you. And that was my answer. And over time, I realized that doesn't really make any sense. That, that, that doesn't help people get to where they want to be. And I, I flipped the question and I say, what do you miss doing? What do you really want to do? If, if, you know, I hear this all the time. I hate to exercise because I hate to run. I'm like, well, don't, well, don't run. Then go swim. Go, go, go ice skating if you live in Buffalo. You know, go, go power walk. Go dance. Go parasailing, you know. Right now, to me, it's it, to me, it's about the, the main reason this is exercise right now in this moment and this time in the in, in America is for your head. I, I mean, we can list the all the stressors in this world right now, and and let me tell you, you go out and get that walk in today. You'll sleep better tonight. You'll feel better tonight. So there's the immediate benefit, but more importantly, find what you love. And do that, and and because there's something we all love, and and that's the quest these days. The quest is not 30 minutes a day, five days a week at moderate intensity. It's like no, 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 no. If you like to dance, find that dance class in your neighborhood. Make sure you go to that dance class three or four times a week. You like yoga? Awesome. Go find you some yoga classes you love. Start with what do you love, and then build your exercise prescription around that. And I'm going to add one little layer to that. Here it comes. Here it comes. Okay. The other layer to that is uh, find what you love 100% because it is sustainable. If you love it, you're going to continue to do it um, as so long as your body's sort of willing. And the other thing is mix the damn thing up. Mix it up. Do a little bit of yoga, do some Zumba, you know, do this, do that. Have some fun with it all um, and mix it up. Make it interesting because, you know, nobody does just one thing all the time. 
Obviously, even with walking, walk with a buddy, walk with a dog, even if you don't have one, um, you know, grab a little bit of music, do whatever, but be as creative as possible. I, I got something for women out there. This is going to be interesting. All right, here we go. So if I had two women and they were both, you know, eating very well, let's just say they're using you know, one of the new and more credible ways of eating, like everything from Mediterranean diet to the time-restricted eating, which is a great, you know, thing to do, science-based, et cetera. Let's just say we have two women who are doing that, okay? One woman, however, adds exercise. So she's out there, she's doing, you know, like the walking or running or jogging or, you know, biking or something, and she's also got the resistance training going on. Okay, not much. I mean, she's not, you know, joining the Olympics here, but she's she's got a little something she's rocking. She's got a kettlebell at home. She goes to the gym, whatever the issue may be. Then you look at the other woman who's doing nutrition only. Okay, you tell me right now which woman has the most toned looking body and the smaller dress size. It's always the woman who has done the physical activity. It literally reshapes you. It reshapes you. And you know, you know I'm a resistance trained athlete. Most most people know that. And I'm here to tell you that it literally redistributes your body composition. You enhance the muscle, you decrease the fat in a way that nutrition alone cannot. What do you think of that? Oh, you're spot on, and I'm gonna I'm gonna double down on it. Your your shape is oh. your, your shape is determined by your muscle. It's period. It's determined by your muscle. So the the healthier muscle you have, the the, the more muscle you have, the the more shape that, that that you want, you're gonna have. But I'm gonna take this a step further and remind people that from age forty to fifty on, you lose one to two percent of muscle a year. That's the natural path. You can, you can prevent that, you can reverse that with resistance training as you're talking about. So that's not only providing health benefits, it's not only providing functional benefits, you can play with your grandkids, you can travel, carry your own luggage, do the things you wanna do, but, but it's also maintaining that shape that you want. You know, so when you talk about healthy muscle, there's just, again, particularly for women, there's just so much upside to maintain that, that healthy muscle. And, and the interesting thing about muscle, is the huge return on investment from a little bit of work. I mean, aerobic is what it is. You go out, you do your aerobic. At some point, you're going to hit a plateau kind of fitness-wise, and it doesn't really change. With muscle, there's almost no limit to the improvements. You kind of keep improving, improving, improving. Maybe your legs improve this month. Maybe your arms improve next month. But it's just a very positive experience. So, so when we, when we, I, we did another study called Heart D. And it was, it was weightlifting compared to aerobic compared to both. And one of the fascinating elements of it was, was the women would all, when I would do their entrance exam, they'd be like, oh, don't, don't put me in the weight training group. I don't want to look like those women in the magazines. I'd be like, okay, well, you're probably not. But once we got them in the gym, once we got them lifting weights, we couldn't get them out. They felt better. They felt empowered. They just had a confidence. And it was so curious to me, the initial resistance to the weight training exercise, which transitioned into an absolute love of the results and the weight training. 
I love it. I love it. I love it. And, you know, I'm kind of laughing for all of us who are, you know, athletes, um, when women say, oh God, I don't want to look like that and all the rest of it. We pray to look like that because, you know, it helps us with our specific sport. And, you know, if we have the body that, you know, and our genetics and everything that will allow us to do that, not everyone looks like Serena Williams, for God's sake. I mean, these are magnificent elite athletes. And quite frankly, they went where their genetics were. They have the perfect bodies for that specific. I mean, hell, I, exactly. I you know, I would never exactly. be able to look even close to what Serena Williams looks like. She is a major mesomorph. I am a mesomorph. Nothing like that. That's a whole different class all the way around. So, you know, there was a study that just came out and wanted to run by you that really that women need to hear about okay listen up girlfriends because um i tweeted this out i think like monday i think is when it came out so this was the metabolism study you know the one i'm talking about it's poncer study and what we what they did was you know there's always been a belief that uh you know like i'm 40 my metabolism is going down and i'm a mess and you know, uh, this is the reason why by the age of 50, you know, I'm just falling apart and I now have a belly that resides in a different state and it's all bad, right? Only to find out that here's the truth. The truth of the matter is that when you're an infant, your metabolism is so red hot, it is uh, literally registered as 50% greater than an adult's metabolism because honey, your ass is growing. Okay, but what's fascinating is that after the age of one, there's a small decrement that starts taking place in that, and there should be, because God, you, you don't want to have a, such a roaring metabolism forever. And But here's the big one. Here's the money statistic. Between the ages of 20 and 60, metabolism is stable. After the age of 60, for every year after 60, your metabolism goes down by a factor of 0.7%. And that accrues, boys and girls. So you better hope you have some, some good muscle on board from resistance training to minimize that. But from 20 to 60, it's freaking stable. Did that blow your mind? No, it didn't. Well, 200 of those subjects were mine. No, it didn't blow my mind because we, we got to dive into the details here because what they're talking about is metabolism at the cellular level. So what they're saying, if they pull out, if they pull out some of your cells and they test the metabolism when you're 30 and they test it when you're 60, at a cellular level, the metabolism's the same. Where, 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 they're, where it gets a little confusing is, is, as I already mentioned, from age 40, 50 on, you start to lose muscle. So... The muscle you have at 50 is just as healthy as the muscle you had at 30. You have less of it, though. So at a cellular level, your metabolism hasn't changed. At a global level, your metabolism's gone down because you have less muscle. And because they, they corrected all that for muscle. But it just doubles and triples down on the point we've been talking about, the, the importance of resistance training so you can maintain that muscle or increase that muscle. If you look at people who are really successful, um, whether athletically or keeping weight off, 
throughout their lifetime, they always lift weights. They always maintain that healthy muscle because by maintaining that healthy muscle, they have a bigger furnace. They burn more calories every day, which helps them keep the weight off. So it's great news that at a cellular level, our metabolism doesn't change, but it reinforces the importance of making sure that we maintain as much as that metabolically healthy tissue as we can, the muscle, as we age. No question about it. And I, I, I hope this was a wake-up call to everyone to realize that for crying out loud, okay, for crying out loud, it is extremely important to maintain the muscle. I, okay, you tell us now, right now, from your expertise, I'm not going to say it, right? I want you to be able to say, all right, the easiest thing a woman could do right now you know, if she has never really gotten into resistance training, because now she's like, oh my God, I got to hold on to my muscle. I'm going to end up looking like jellyfish in no time at all. What could she do? Come on, let's let's well, let's come know, up with something for these people. Okay. It depends on where you're at in life, what you'd like to do. I would start with yoga. Start with the yoga that actually involves some, some lifting of your own weight. That's a great option. I, hey, I am, I know a thing or two about exercise training, you know, I have a personal trainer. <laughs> I have a personal trainer. I can't keep up with all the techniques um, when it comes to the gym and doing it safely. And, you know, I like to say when it comes to aerobic training, when it comes to anybody can figure out what a walking program is, go out and walk 20 minutes, life is good. If you really want a modern resistance training program, if you really want to work on maintaining lean mass, I'm just a believer you got to have somebody teach you how to do it. And, and, you know, YMCA is a great place to start, but there's, there's plenty of places out there where you can get some, some, some basic personal training so you, you can lift those weights safely so that you can get the results you like. And guess what? If you don't like your trainer, get a new trainer. You know, you're the customer. So I, that's, that's usually where I go to is, hey, you know, this is one of those things you're going to need some help to get started. I love it. I love it. What are some simple things to do outside of a personal trainer? Could someone just pick up one of my most favorite things of all my tubing? What about tubing? Oh my, you're so spot on tubing. Heck you can get milk, milk cartons that are full of water and you know, you can go on a YouTube and learn some basics. It's not, it's not rocket science, just move mass, you know, just move mass and, 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 um, you know, you could you could spout out prescriptions all day long. As long as you're working that muscle, that's what matters. I love it. And so what I do, boys and girls, right, is I pick up the, this inexpensive little tubing. And by the way, you get a little pack of these, which um, have different levels of resistance to it. So, you know, the tubing is obviously rubberized and some has more resistance, some doesn't like 20 pounds worth, 30 pounds, 40 pounds. So I, I just grab it and, you know, I'll get up from my um, desk uh, and I will just simply, you know, crunch out a, a, a few things that I just love to do all kinds of things. I'll double it up in front of me and just do some um, chest flies. Easy stuff. Um, I'll do a biceps. I'll do a triceps. Um, I will, you know, link it around the legs of a really heavy chair or Chase Lounge or something. Boom. I got myself my back. 
I just get down on there on the floor. It, it's just a no-brainer. But here's something else. People forget their body weight. Use your body weight. Seriously, use your body weight. Get on the floor right now. And then what you do is, I don't care what kind of shape you're in, assuming, of course, you know, you're able to kneel and things like that. Do simple a bent knee push-up. Now, why do I love the push-up? I'll tell you why. It's because as you age, okay, as you age, what's going to happen is one day you're going to be all alone and you're going to fall down. And there's no front end loader showing up, you know, showing up to help you here. So when you get up off the ground, look at what you're doing. It's like getting up, honestly, from a push-up. That's exactly what it is. You're pushing up your body. And if you don't have the muscles, which involves um, no less than six muscle groups, and these are big boys. These are your arms, it's your chest, it's your abs, it's your legs. So if you don't have that, you're in trouble. You won't be able to save your own life one day. So now is a good time to learn how to do this. Do you have to do the straight up, you know, ones that the athletes do, which is a straight leg push up? Nah, you don't have to do that if you want to give it a whirl. You know, go for it. But honestly, the bent knees will get you there too. That's the kind of thing I love to see. What do you think of that, Tim? I think it's such great advice. I'm going to throw one on top of that. Use the stairs. Oh, hell yeah. Every Absolutely. time you lift up a stair, you are lifting your body weight. And you're getting the big, big, big core muscles every time you use the stairs. So um, I love the push-up thing. I'm going to add on top of that, use the, use the stairs. Yeah. And the stairs, what are you doing? You're moving. What, what did you just say, Tim? Didn't you just say moving mass through air and that's your own body mass? So can you get up those stairs? You know, and um, are you huffing and puffing? And do you, is your finger on, you know, speed dial for 911? You know, by the time you get to the top, if you do get to the top, come on now. You know, the stairs are fabulous. And, you know, I don't care who you are, where you are, and in what kind of shape you're in or not. Never, ever, you know, play the shame, blame, guilt thing and say, oh God, I can't believe what kind of rotten shape, how did I allow this to happen, blah, blah, blah. No, do not do that. Stop. Stop immediately. And what I'd like you to do instead is just simply take it where you are and begin the journey of a thousand steps with that first step. That's what you do. Be kind. Practice self-compassion. How important is self-compassion in all of this? There's nothing more important, especially in today's world. You know, there's so much going on. It's been such a rough 18 months. There's so many reasons we can be down on ourselves for, for you know, maybe not sleeping enough or maybe drinking too much or maybe eating too much or not being active enough. It all starts with giving yourself some grace. You call it self-compassion. I call it giving yourself some grace. It is what I lead with every day when I counsel people. You know, no one pitches the perfect game. No one has the perfect season. If it is, it's extraordinarily rare. Life is a full contact sport. Where you are is where you are. Beating yourself up doesn't help anything. One step at a time, big step, small steps lead to big steps. The, 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 the concept of giving yourself some grace 
extending yourself some compassion, celebrating the little victories. That's the other thing. People just, hey, I walked, but man, I didn't walk quite far enough. I don't care. You freaking walked. That's all that matters. You know, just, just keep the oil tanker moving forward. All of these things, you have such, we don't, if you like to run marathons, that's awesome. But that's not our goal here. Our goal here is not to train the world to be a bunch of marathon runners. Our goal is to get people active. Our goal is to get people moving a little bit of weight. And, and our goal is to get people feeling better. And, you know, all of that starts with I, I, with self-compassion. You know, if you, if you beat yourself up over the small things, you don't give yourself an opportunity to take advantage of this stuff. And um, especially these days, especially these days, I just think electronics add to this. The, the, these unrealistic goals that are set by or unrealistic examples we see on our, on our social media every day. I just think it's so unhealthy for all age groups. And, and that's why I think now more than ever, having your own goals, giving yourself a break, focusing on the things that matter to you, not on what some social media tells you you should focus on. There's no question about it. So uh, girlfriends out there, you know, who are listening up. So here's what's really important. Tim and I are both athletes. Tim and I are both physicians. Tim and I have been working in the field of really, quite frankly, healthy lifestyle forever. Um, and that includes nutrition as well, which we'll get to in a second. The most important thing you could do, low-hanging fruit is where I go, and I know Tim does too. Just grab low-hanging fruit. So what's the low-hanging fruit? A cheap, simple way to be able to start to move your body. One, walk. Walk like you have just never walked. Just walk. Commit to it every single day. Make it as pleasurable as possible. All of you know I have my my beloved German Shepherds, and they walk right by my side. Max especially has never seen a bush he doesn't love. You know, he just respects them all and leaves his own little pea mail there. And I, I just see the world through their eyes. I, I really commune with nature. Um, a lot of the time, I don't have my earbuds in. I am enjoying being out and being connected. Um, see people I know, talk, have a great time. Oh, it's such a wonderful thing. That's the first thing. The second thing is add a little, little balance to it with something as simple as just learning how to do some simple resistance training. And all you have to do is use your body weight. Listen, go to Fitness Blender. It is the number one YouTube channel with free videos. I think they're up to like almost a thousand videos now. It's pretty insane. And just dial up what you want and they will show you how to do the simplest thing. Mix it up. Take your very first yoga class. Just simply go right on to YouTube again. There's a million great ways to be able to move your body, okay? But that's what we're arguing for. Please, you, you know, especially after the age of 40, I mean, it's true all your life, but after the age of 40, you know, all of a sudden you start doing the I'm melting thing and it becomes really much harder, um, you know, mentally and physically to kind of turn things around and, and really kind of, it's never too late, don't get me wrong, but I'm saying, come on now, just small steps. 
Now, let's go to the eating place for a minute. Talk about a cluster there. All you got to do is, you know, just put women and diet and whatever into Google and you get a gazillion hits and every one of them contradicts the guy in front of them. What is a woman to do? What are the low hanging fruit, simplest things they could do? Man, I don't even know where to start. I mean, I, <laughs> I, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start someplace which is close to where you would start, but it's a different take on it. If you can just tune into your hunger signals, if you can just become more mindful of your hunger signals, and what what do I mean by that? Don't eat between meals. That, that's it. It's a, it's a modification of, of time-restricted eating. It's, it's, a ta- it's a different take on it. First of all, figure out when you're actually hungry. Is it two times a day? Is it three times a day? And then once you've got that dialed in, just don't eat between meals. That alone, if, 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 if weight loss is your goal, that alone will take the pounds off. Again, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it, it's one off of time-restricted feeding, but not too far off. So that's number one. Number two is a little deeper. I stole this saying from a very good friend of mine who's a phenomenal psychologist. And the saying is, what are you asking food to do for you? And you can say the same thing about alcohol. You can say the same thing about a lot of things. But when you're eating when you're not hungry, what are you asking this food to do for you? Again, it's an opportunity for reflection. It's an opportunity for mindfulness. Wow, I just had a really rough conversation with my daughter, and now I'm eating. Well, there's a connection there. Let's work on breaking that unhealthy connection. Or, wow, I slept horribly last night, and now I'm eating all all morning. Again, there's a connection there. Let's work on breaking that unhealthy connection. So two first steps, I would say, low-hanging fruit, as you say. One is just don't eat between meals. You'd be amazed at the impact that has. Two is... Is, is a little bit of reflection on why you eat when you're not hungry or what drives you to eat when you're not hungry. Is it habit? Is it, is it stress? Is it emotions? Um, it, it's, you're probably picking up on a theme here of, of mindfulness, of self-reflection. It, it, it ties into that whole grace thing. You know, part of giving yourself grace is being reflective on why you're doing it. But this is understanding your own behavior better at a different level. Not being judgmental, just trying to understand why you did that. I love it. So you you immediately went to, you know, linking up with uh, behavior. It's all about, you know, what's going on in your mind. Um, Then all of a sudden you see a little bit more clearly why you just did what you did, make the connections instead of knee-jerking. It is really, you're asking for mindful eating. Mindful, okay? Why are you reaching for that food? Think about that. I have a couple other little things I'll layer on top of that. Let's layer for a moment. Um, One of the first ones is, girlfriends, what about that alcohol at nighttime? Mm Mm-hmm. You know what the statistics look like. A whole lot of us are grabbing that uh, glass of wine or two or three almost every night. 
What are you anesthetizing? And if you want to get see a belly, that's a that's a classic way to be able to put it on. Think for yourself. I have one patient, and I'm sure you have had one too, or like we've had a whole lot of them. I had one lady who just decided that's it with alcohol. I'm going to see what happens over the course of a month. She dropped 20 pounds. She had no idea that there were a couple things going on. Not only was it the alcohol, but it was disinhibiting her. So once she started drinking, she said, I'll have that to eat and I'll have that to eat. Once she got rid of the alcohol, um, all of a sudden, everything else folded and she was able to really make substantial changes and this in combination with some physical activity. So I love the alcohol thing and then I'm gonna share one poem and then it's your turn, Tim. Okay, my poem is, if you eat after eight, you gain a lot of weight. That's my one stab at poetry, don't make fun of me, okay? If you eat after eight, you gain a lot of weight. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's called late night eating, folks. Come on now with the Netflix and the rest of it. All right, your turn. Tim man why didn't you have me on this show before I love it that I'm not uh, I, I love it I'm not the bluntest one in the room um uh, God, you're so good Pam I need to talk to you every day <laughs> I want to double down on the alcohol one it's funny this used to be this is going to be a little bit sexist so let me just let me put an asterisk next to that it's not sexist and maybe somebody will take it as sexist uh -oh. this used to be more of a man thing it really did I mean, when I would generally work with men, I'd be like, hey, you want to lose some weight quick, cut back your alcohol. Well, for better or for worse, women have caught up with us. and They're drinking just as much alcohol as we are. So now it's a both gender thing. And, 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 and I'm, that's not an original thought. And there's lots of data to support that. Um, and I, I remind people with alcohol, it, it, there's almost nothing worse you can do for weight for three reasons. One is... The alcohol molecule, the molecule that makes you feel different, is calorically dense. You cannot drink alcohol without bringing in extra calories. So there's that. Two, the alcohol molecule redistributes where you put weight, hence the beer belly. The alcohol molecule tells your body to put weight into the belly. Not only is that probably not where you want to put your weight, but from a health perspective, it's not what you weigh, it's where you weigh. Weight in the belly is particularly dangerous for diabetes and heart disease. Number three, of course, Pam already hit on this. When you drink, you are disinhibited, you tend to eat more. So it's really tough to impact your weight if you're not changing your alcohol habits, if you enjoy. And, you know, one of the places I like to start is say, you know what, I'm not going to tell you to stop drinking. Telling someone to not eat something means they're going to eat it. Telling something not to drink, they're going to drink. I like to say, hey, let's get reflective and let's look for places you can cut back. And, and maybe if you're having four glasses of wine, well, could two not serve the same purpose? That's where I like to start with it. It is such a touchy conversation. But it is. There's no question about it because what it really goes to is why are you actually doing that? Why are you having two glasses of wine every flipping night? What's going on there? I mean, I could surely see, you know, having, as it were, a treat, you know, so on a, a Friday night, Saturday night, you're out with friends, this and that and all the rest of it, but flipping every single night, then it starts turning into anesthesia. You're medicating yourself. What is it in your life that you could address? I love, by the way, your whole point about 
I don't like to wag a finger and then say, no, 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 you can't do that. What I do is I say, switch it out, man. You know, switch it out. So have something refreshing, something that really works for you, sparkling water with citrus in it. Um, I, I'm a tea fanatic, so I have like cupboards full of phenomenal teas, every single thing you possibly imagine, um, you know, with turmeric and ginger and green tea and all the rest of it. So I, I love to do a lot of the tea thing. Um, what I'm saying is that there are beautiful, wonderful, fabulous alternatives that you could just switch it out with. And, and I've done that with people, but you gotta have a conversation with yourself about why you're doing this in the first place. As far as eating late, you know, I, I challenge anyone out there to do this, okay? Finish by, say, 7 or 7.30, no later. Wake up in the morning 12 hours later and pick it up, okay, if you feel like it. Or wait another hour, two hours, if it turns out it feels perfectly fine. So instead of 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., it could be 7 p.m. to 8 a.m. or 7 p.m. to 9 a.m. Guess what? That's 14 hours where you're giving your body time to be able to do its housekeeping, very important housekeeping, which cannot be done if if you're like Netflixing it with, uh, you know, your um, trio, you, Ben and Jerry until three in the morning. Um, y y there's no time to be able to do housekeeping. You can't housekeep your body at a cellular level unless you're not eating at that moment. You have to allow your body to do its thing. So I challenge you. 12 hours at the very minimum of not eating, and then you know see if you wanna play between 12 and 14 hours, you're gonna notice extraordinary things take place. And again, the earlier you end your eat, in other words, don't be staying up until midnight, the earlier you end your eating, say seven, 7.30, the better for you. What do you think of those ideas? Man. <laughs> As usual, we're, we're completely aligned. You're hitting on so many important things. You know, I, I'm going to expand on your housekeeping thoughts. If you're bringing in more energy than you use, you make fat. If you're expending more energy than you use, you burn fat. When you give your body 12 hours where you're not eating, you are burning fat most of that time. Now, I know we could be talking about glycogen and a little bit of muscle and some other things, but just call it fat. It's just easier. When you don't give your body that 12 hours, when you keep interrupting it with snacks, you are stopping the body from tapping into its fat stores. So those, those 12 hours, I love that, don't eat after eight. That's freaking genius, um, the poem. You, you're, you're allowing your body to tap into the fat stores. But we're also hitting on something just as interesting, which, 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 boy, we get a lot of questions about. And that is, should I eat breakfast? It's funny how that much that has changed during our professional careers. And, and breakfast made sense when we all worked on the farm. When we all, I've actually worked on the farm and it's miserable and you had to eat breakfast. But now we all make our living sitting down. And there isn't really a, a great need for a whole bunch of calories early in the morning. And I loved how you said, you know, wake up, see if you're hungry. If you're not, wait a few hours. You know, your first meal may be at 10 o'clock. Your first meal may be at 11 o'clock. 
again, so much of this is about, about awareness, about mindfulness, about tuning into your body's needs. Because when you eat when you're not hungry, guess where those calories go? They go to body fat. When you wait till you're truly hungry, you're fueling your body the way it's meant to be fueled, and you're not storing body fat. So th there are so many important concepts in that, in that idea of, of not eating after 7 or after 8 o'clock at night, and then in the morning checking in with yourself and saying, well, is it time to eat now or should I wait a little bit longer? So, yeah, all, all just great stuff. It's, it's being also tuned into your body, which I think is absolutely huge here. You know, you, you just said it, you know, wake up in the morning. How do you feel? How's it going? You know, um, and, and quite frankly, uh, your whole point about this, this role of breakfast per se, you know, and I know that the food industry created the grand majority of that. That was Kellogg's um, and the rest of them. They needed to sell food. They convinced us we needed three squares a day that, the way they were doing it, only to find out, wait a minute, we're sitting you know, 90% of the day on our behinds. Remind me the last time you, know, you ran after a cow that went through a fence. I mean, come on now. Uh, that's not the way it works. And so we need to rethink this a lot, which is why I wrote my book, The Hunger Fix, and why I also wrote Body for Life for Women. All of that's written in there. I address both the resistance training as well as um, the whole issue of eating and, and how we now begin to approach it again. So, all right, girlfriends out there, raise your hand if you want dr church back again as a regular <laughs> as a repeat offender oh yes look at that the hands are up tim tag you're it we're gonna be bugging you a whole lot in future episodes you're you're now elected a regular congratulations tim well first of all pam you're never bugging me you you've got the bat number you know how to get a hold of me you're one of my you most respected and, and, and valued professional friends. And I'm offended. I, this is uh, show 338 is the first time I've been here, but maybe we can make up for that in, in, in the next. Ah, well, wait a minute. Um, did you just, I mean, maybe you were busy. Maybe oh, other things I'm were going on. I'm never too busy for you. You know that, so don't go there. Uh, <laughs> hey, listen, man. You, okay, so tag your it, Tim. And uh, we'll have you on again and again. I just can't thank you enough. So everyone, we've been talking to Dr. Timothy Church. And if you want to learn more about all the wonderful things he does, go to his website. And that is timchurchmd.com. Or quite frankly, you could also go to wonder, that's W-O-N-D-R, health.com to learn more about his work. Tim, thank you so much for being on the Herb Podcast. Oh, thank you, Pam. It was wonderful. Okay, everyone run on over to iTunes right now. I'm watching you run. There's like this whole group of people running. Oh boy. And rate and review the show because I love to hear from you. Why is that? Because I am Dr. Pam Peek the host of the Herb Podcast. Follow me on Facebook at Dr. Pam Peak or Twitter and Instagram at Pam Peak MD. And remember to catch every single episode of the Herb Podcast on iTunes or Radio MD. Thanks for listening today and please stay safe and stay well.